You are listening to the How to Talk to Girls podcast with me, Trip Kramer. Hello and welcome to another episode of the How to Talk to Girls podcast. What's going on, man? Good to have you back. Welcome here if you're new and uh, if you're listening to this. You know what I would really absolutely enjoy, and I have been recently, is a review on the podcast. I don't think you can do it on Spotify, but I know you can do it on iTunes. I would love a review from you. Why? Because it's one of my only ways to connect with my audience here on the podcast, except for people, of course, I talk to who hear about coaching and things like that. But it's great to hear from you. And also, it helps the podcast, helps get it out there and get it more popular. So it's the biggest thank you to me in the world when you review it and when you subscribe to it. And I know it sounds funny that I'm I'm saying this. Like, hopefully, you would want to do this stuff anyways. You know, I like when people are just encouraged and inclined and inspired to to do this on their own. But sometimes we have busy lives, and when you when you hear this, you do it. I know when I'm listening to other podcasts or YouTube videos, and someone says, "Hey, don't forget to subscribe. It helps," or share the video or like it. I do that because I'm like, "Oh yeah, I should do that. I want to help them out." So I'd love to hear from you as well. And if you Write me a great review. I will read it here on the How to Talk to Girls podcast. Someone just left a really wacky review. It was um, really stupid. I'm not even going to read it because it's that dumb. If you're on iTunes, you can check it out. It uh, made no sense, but they gave me five stars. So thank you for the five-star review with the nonsensical review that you gave me a couple weeks ago. Strange, but that's not what I want to see. I want to see a review where I actually can hear what you think of the podcast and how it's been helping you and maybe a story, even though I don't know how much you can actually write on this thing, but uh, even if a little story that's something that helped, it'd be great to hear from you. So go ahead and do that. Today, we have an episode with an interview with my guest, Demona Hoffman. Demona has been on the podcast a few times. You're going to hear me say that on our interview and she's awesome. And I know she's listening right now because I sent her the episode so she can share it with her audience. And so I want to say, Demona, I just want to say thank you. I haven't said this to you uh, recently, and I didn't say it to you on the actual episode. But if you're listening, Demona, thank you for always being very supportive of my work. And I say that specifically to Demona and not necessarily every single guest because Demona works in media and she does a lot of television. She's been on TV a lot. And I had her own shows and things like that. And she always thinks of me for TV shows. And she always keeps me in mind. And I really appreciate that because, you know, it's a small industry, but there's still plenty of people that she could help get onto stuff. And and I really appreciate that. So Demanda, thank you for always thinking of me when it comes to casting and, and doing TV shows and, and things like that. Really appreciate it. So anyway, Demona and I, we get into talking about the a little bit of the background of interracial dating, right? The ins and outs of interracial dating and and what it means. And and Demona is a great person to speak of that because she is of two races and she just is very smart and she's also a woman. So she just has a lot to say on this topic and that's why I had her on here. And I'm really excited that we did this interview and I think you're going to get a lot out of it. Even if you're not necessarily interested in interracial dating, well, that's the whole point is she kind of tells you on this thing to keep your mindset open. Okay. So hopefully you're not racist. If you're racist, by the way, you know, you don't have to listen to this podcast anymore. This podcast is for people who are a little bit more woke, so to speak, and uh, and are not racist. So 
You can just stop now if you are. But anyway, we're talking about interracial dating. I think it's going to be very interesting for you to hear about this. Also, don't forget that the coaching slots are available. Now, at this point of this episode, I am about four to six weeks out from us working together. We would sign you up, but we wouldn't work together for four to six weeks. That means that you know, the later that you choose to apply and get on the phone with me to talk about coaching and how it works, the later it's going to be for us to work together. So don't think, oh, four to six weeks, I'll wait. Don't wait. It's going to be like this probably for a while. Uh, but once in a while, there is one spot that opens up and sometimes I can get people in a little bit sooner. So it all depends. So it's not always four to six weeks. But my point is, and by the way, this is not some sort of tactic to get you to rush to sign up. This is true. But I also say this because I don't want people to get so excited. And then they get on the phone with me and I tell them, hey, I'd love to work with you, but it's going to be a little bit. And they get bummed out. So just be prepared for that possibility. But either way, if you're interested in coaching, you want to even see if it's a possibility for you, go to coachedbytrip.com. You and I can get on a phone call after you apply and we can see if coaching is a good fit and see if I can help you. When I say a good fit, it means that it is there is availability for me to help you. I can't help every guy because not every guy has issues that I can solve. And so that's what the phone call is all about. So apply today, coachedbytrip.com and check that out. In the meantime, let's go to my interview with Demona Hoffman. Here it is. Hey, Demona, it's great to have you back on the podcast. How's it going? It's great. It's great considering that we're in the middle of a global pandemic, but you know. You know, but maybe we're not at the time someone's listening to this and they're listening to this in, you know, 2024. Who knows? Uh, well, and I guess it depends on where you are. Like I'm in LA where it seems like this will never end. But, you know, people still need love. So here we that's are. That's not going anywhere. That's How's it not going? going anywhere. Oh, that's not going anywhere. Yeah, right. for sure. For sure. It's exactly. only getting more intense, actually. Right. You know, I remember having you. This is this is interesting because I don't have this with many guests who I have on for a second or a third time. But for you, I actually do remember the last time you were on without even looking at at notes or without looking at anything. I remember you were on in the spring summer of 2017. I don't know why I remember it. I just remember where I was because I wasn't. I was kind of traveling a little bit, so I have like a visual memory of where I was when I interviewed you for the podcast. And so then I just remember it was in 2017. I never have that with anyone else. I'd yeah. have to look. But for you, I remember. And I even remember what we talked about. We talked about uh, moving in. We talked about moving in. And by the way, I'm going to just double check here because I want to see how good I am at this. I no, I think you're right. Because I had just hosted a TV show that was about these couples moving in together for the first time and figuring out if their relationship was going to work or if somebody had to move out. Oh, that's so, that's why we were talking. I'm sure we about did it. talk about it, and I didn't remember that. So you get points. Oh, nice. I'm looking back. Hold on, see, 2017. I want to see if I can find it. Should you move in with a girl? There it is, July 2017. Should you move in with a girl? It doesn't say with Demona Hoffman, but I, I'm, that's the one. That's, that's it. That's it. Has so to be. okay. So well, you've been on TV. You write columns. I just I'm going to let you show off right now, so the guys <laughs> who are listening know that they're not just listening to anyone, but someone very special and smart. So tell the guys what you've been on, the work you've done, and then we can rewind a little bit more and, and you can talk about how you got into this. So as you said, I did host two TV shows for a &E Networks. One was called 
A Question of Love. That's the one we were just talking about. And then another was called Hashtag Black Love, where I helped five single Black women in New York City find love. Since that time, I've done a whole lot of things. I now have a column in the LA Times called Dear Demona, where I answer dating and relationship questions. And I write for a matchmaking column in the Washington Post that's been around for a long time called Date Lab. And I introduce DC area singles and write about their date. And then I do a whole bunch of other stuff. I have a podcast called Dates and Mates, which you've been on. Yes, in person. Yeah. Yeah, it was eight seasons now. So you were, I think you were on the first time, maybe even in season one or season two. So I keep on doing that because I I love helping people find love. I've been doing it now. I don't even want to tell your audience how long I've been doing it because they're going to think that I'm an old lady, but I'm not. I just have been doing this since I was pretty young in the dating game and figured out that there were a lot of things people were doing that were keeping them single. And I figured out the secret sauce, met my husband online a long time ago, and then shepherded people through that process ever since. Cool. Awesome. And today, we're talking about interracial dating. Why are we talking about interracial dating? Why not? (laughs) Why not? (laughs) Well, you know, I think it's... Well, why are you someone who can speak to that versus anyone else I might have on on this ah, podcast? That is a different question for sure. I come from an interracial background. So I've been steeped in this philosophy since I was young. And not just any interracial background. My mom is a proud Black woman from the projects in Detroit. My dad is a Jewish doctor. He's a son of uh, immigrants from Russia. And then when I look out into the rest of my extended family, my sister-in-law is Indian. My stepmother is Mexican-American. I have literally like the the United Nations of families. (laughs) And I've been able to see just how much that helps you understand the world and interact with people of all different backgrounds when you are exposed to people with different stories. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah, that's right. Your dad, what a a combo there. Dad, Jewish white man, like myself. (laughs) Yeah. Is he he from Europe or is is his background European? Does he have a European accent? No, no, no. no, no, Oh, okay. My grandfather um, immigrated. When he was a kid, though, so okay. his first language was Yiddish, and most people like looking at me. You, you really have no idea. You know, I have curly hair and brown skin, and people think that I'm from anywhere except for where I am. So, where do they? Where, what do they? What do they say? Where do they think you're from? Oh, it depends on where I am. Like, if I'm in Europe, they're like, "Are you Spanish?" I've gotten Israeli. I've gotten oh my gosh. Puerto Rican. I've gotten. Egyptian, like I, I could literally be from anywhere. But I, I love that. Like some people look at being a person of color or having a diverse or multiracial background as sort of a curse. Like you don't fit in anywhere. And I think at some point in my life, I felt that way. I grew up in the Midwest in a very white upper middle class neighborhood. There was no one that looked like me. And Then as I got older and really came into understanding who I was, I saw it as a benefit because I feel like I've been able to connect with so many different people because I can, not literally, but I can speak so many different language culturally and I'm so open 
to learning and exploring other cultures. And, and that's something that I really am inspired to show the clients that I work with, that what they can really open their, their world up. So I'm curious about that. You said clients. So you work with people and you have a lot of, of fans and people who listen to your podcast and, and just follow all the things you're doing. I'm curious, out of all of these people, what are the questions that you hear the most in terms of issues or problems or concerns that come up with interracial dating, with dating someone who is a different race than you? What, what comes up? Like, I just want to hear some of those conversations. And that way we can, you know, you can answer those questions and we can give some help here to anyone who's interested in that or, or having those. Because I don't know what those issues are. I can come up with some. Like, you know, the first thing I'd come up with was, well, what happens if you're dating someone outside of your race and you bring them home to your family? Because some families, well, sometimes are clearly racist. <laughs> That's one reason True. that it could be an issue. But also, it's just people, some, Families are, are really into you dating someone of your culture or background or faith or things like that. So that, that's what I come up with in terms of issues. But what, what do you hear? What comes up for you? Well, I would say a lot of my clients are open to it probably because they know that this is my philosophy from the beginning. So I, I don't generally get a ton of friction when I'm working with people one-on-one. But things that I hear about on my podcast, people, they're very sensitive even to this word racist, like the idea that your family might be racist. And I've actually gotten a question from someone who was dating this guy for two years and didn't realize that he actually had racial bias that really was, that ended up impacting their relationship. So first, I think it's important to just break down, like, I'm not calling anybody names. I'm not pointing any finger saying you are a racist if you don't, haven't dated outside your race. What I want to encourage people to do is to question, question the system. And I think this is the perfect time in history with you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and a lot of the conversations we're having right now around race and around culture and around just what it means to be American to just ask these questions of why do I have the beliefs that I have? And if I've always had a preference, everybody says, well, I have a type. There's a difference between having a type, the people that you normally find yourself attracted to, and we can break down whether your attractions are healthy attractions or need to be adjusted to get you a different result in a minute. But if you have an attraction to something again and again and again, I like to step back and ask, why? Is it because you've only dated people who look like that or have that particular cultural background or have your own cultural background? Sometimes people... I got some people that wrote to me after I did an LA Times column on this that were like, wait a minute. Well, what if I... like I'm a white guy, but I always like Asian women. Are you saying that I'm doing something wrong? <laughs> and it's like, again, it's not wrong. I just have seen that if you are limiting your pool by saying, I will not date someone of X race or I will only date people of my own race, then you are cutting off your chance at having cultural awareness and expanding your worldview. And also, ultimately, finding love, finding a fulfilling relationship because you may be cutting off. 
of the population that could be right for you. Right. So you're you're lowering, narrowing, I should say, your pool of women that you could be with if you're very just like, this is the person I want to date. Yeah. And if it is attached to, well, I don't date people of that race because, and it's because you dated someone of a of that race in the past and it didn't work out or because you realize your family had a certain belief system, you're operating based on bias. We are all, we are living in a racist country in America. We are living in a biased world. And so we have a choice. Now that we're aware of that, I think a lot of people were kind of going along with blinders on, unaware. And and as a person of a mixed race background with such a culturally diverse family, I have always been aware of this implicit bias that we have been born into. But now that you're aware of it, you have a choice. You can either keep perpetuating the system or you can question the system and figure out if it's actually what is in your core beliefs or if you're operating based on beliefs that aren't even yours, based on your parents' beliefs, based on your community's beliefs, based on your your church or your synagogue or whomever outside of yourself. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, what about the people though who are are trying to find someone who are like, no, I want to keep it like in the family. They want to find, for example, I'll just say this because I know this because I'm Jewish, right? My family is not like this, but there are a lot of families out there that would like their sons and daughters to date someone of the Jewish religion. Now, it's interesting because there's lots of races that could be Jewish, but if you look at it, primarily it's Caucasian, right? So like, what would you say to someone like that? Is like, well, I'm just trying to find someone who's of my faith. Well, I do this technique and I talk about this in my Washington Post article on race and dating. I do this technique called the five whys. You're probably familiar with it as a savvy businessman yourself, but it's, it's actually a business technique where you start with, with a challenge or problem or question And then you deconstruct it through a series of whys. So I only want to date someone who is Jewish. Why? Simple question. (laughs) Complex answer. So you might just, you might say your answer to that. Why do you want to date someone Jewish? Like, give me an example of an answer. So we can raise our kids Jewish. Why? See, this isn't necessarily for me. So I'm just right, trying to Right, right. Just hypothetical. Um, We're role-playing here. Role-play, role-play. Okay, so, <laughs> um, so we can continue the lineage. So we can keep the race and culture of Judaism alive. Right. So then as we... And I've heard that literally that exact... You did that perfectly. Because I've heard that as my first writing job was actually for J-Date. So I I would get a lot of people, obviously, who were looking to meet someone Jewish. And then we would deconstruct it and figure out, is this something that is a deeply held belief within yourself? Or is this something that you're doing out of convenience? Like, oh, I don't want to deal with having to bring someone else into the culture or convert someone or have those difficult conversations about how we want to raise our kids or have those difficult conversations with my parents. And if you get down, usually five whys gets you really to the core of what the actual problem or belief system is. That's cool. 
Yeah, if and it works actually with like any business decision or anything. It's a really great technique. But once or you get anything the, in life, in your life, really, like I, it really, I think it sounds like it, it can apply to almost anything. Absolutely, but it really works for this because a lot of times you'll just give the surface answer first, right? And then when you go down the layers, you can have that realization: Is this something that I truly, truly believe, or is am I doing this to avoid some sort of discomfort. And ultimately, you know this trip, like people are motivated by two things. They're motivated to move towards pleasure or away from pain. So if you feel like that would cause pain with your family or that would cause pain in your relationship to have to have to kind of force somebody into your faith, you may just reject that because you don't want to go down that route. And if we get through the five whys with my clients, and like, for example, I have a client right now who's an Indian woman. She's dated. She's dated a white guy, a Latino guy. She's, she's dated men who are not Indian. But she came to the conclusion when she came to me, she, she realized that her relationship with her father is the most important thing to her. And for him, based on the way that her relationships have played out in the past and the the conversation she's had with him, it causes a lot of strain in their relationship when she's with somebody who is not Indian. So for him, she's making the choice to pursue a relationship with someone of the same background. And I can't argue with that. That means you've done the work. You've figured out what is really important to, to you and what in her life, what is really important to her is her family and her relationship with her family. And she has played out other scenarios that hurt that dynamic. So, you know, it's just about asking the questions and, and figuring out, why am I making this decision? <laughs> Five, why am I making this decision? And is it ultimately something that is getting me what I want or is keeping me in this place of feeling frustrated about being single, which is what most of my listeners and most of the people that come to me for coaching are feeling right now. Got it. Got it. Right. That's interesting. That's interesting. (laughs) Okay. So what else? What else comes up? What else do people bring up with this situation? Well, a lot of people I find are afraid to engage in an interracial relationship because they are scared of the unknown. Like, well, I don't understand that person's culture, what if I say the wrong thing? Or like you brought up meeting the parents, like what if I meet their parents and their parents are mean to me because of my race or I don't know how to talk to them? And one thing I think we forget is that everyone comes from a different cultural background. So even if you're white in America, your family traditions and the way that you grew up and your value system may be completely different and probably is from 10 other people who also classify themselves as white. Because we, we now, we have this banner of white in America, but, but we are the melting pot nation, right? So you come into it with different stories, different cultures, different traditions. And I look at that as something that is really really exciting and really special. And I know you have listeners in other countries as well. And there, you know, a lot of countries have this dynamic where we're living in a world that is multicultural and people move around. And to give yourself the chance at 
finding love, I think you have to be as broad as possible to start. And then you can kind of filter through and say, is this particular person right for me? But you're going to, you're going to be met with cultural differences regardless of what that person's skin color is. The question is just like, are you willing to go through some awkwardness, some <laughs> cultural learning? Or do you want to just stay where it's safe? What do you think? What do you think people should do? Well, I never play it safe, but, but that's me. <laughs> right. What happens, when you, what happens when you play it safe? You end up in a, a loveless marriage that's going nowhere and, and you hate your life. And, and I've just seen that when you are really choosing your partner, and this is one of the reasons that I really love online dating, dating apps, and that I'm just grateful that we have this tool because we now have the opportunity to meet people from outside of our social circle. Like you think back two generations ago, most people met and married, first of all, very young. Second of all, they met or married somebody that lived within five blocks of their house. Think about that. Like <laughs> you only met and married your neighbor. If you didn't have a direct connection, if your family didn't know their family, if you didn't go to the same church or temple, if you, you know, if you, if you didn't play with them as kids or go to school with them, you didn't know them. It just wasn't, a, it was not available to you. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. That in two generations ago, that's not that long. Right. So when you think about that, I feel like, wow, we have so much opportunity right now. Why not take advantage of that opportunity and, and really explore and I have a lot of clients that have met someone across country or in another country. And I just think even 20 years ago, that probably would not have been possible. I find that really exciting. So I'm not about playing it safe. And I think the biggest risk you're ever going to take is in love, right? You have to be willing to take a risk. And I know you talk about this on the show all the time, that, that you, have, you have to be brave enough to risk to get what you want. And I, I think then why not? Why not be bold and be brave and, and risk to find the right partner? And you look at the numbers, Trip. Interracial dating has expanded exponentially and it, is in, it coincides with the rise in the use of dating apps. So it's not coincidental. It's that people didn't have opportunity before. And now that we do, I think we're we're starting to we're starting to wake up and become more aware of the choices that we make and not just do what generations and generations and generations did before us but to actually choose for ourselves and I think that's really exciting. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of options these days and we we do have the power. I think some guys at times and this is a good problem I'd say can get overwhelmed with it. Right? Mm -hmm. It's like there's so many options. How do you choose? And I'm curious, you know, what do you say to your clientele? You work, you work mostly with women, right? Do you work with any men? I do work with some men. I would say I work predominantly with women. But I, I hear it from both sides. I hear it from the guys and the girls. Like the paradox of choice, right? Like we have so many options. It becomes overwhelming, frustrating, exhausting. And I find that usually those people that are feeling that way 
are, are dating by chance. Like, yes, now we have all this opportunity. But if you don't have any framework around your dating, I call it dating strategy. I know it doesn't sound sexy, but I could say it in a sexy voice. <laughs> I believe in the power of dating strategy and figuring out what do you want. And once you know that from like a values and a goals perspective, not just like, you know, uh, I want her to be to be hot and I want her to be this age or what have you. More like what is the quality of the woman that I see in my life? And I do coach people for relationships. So anyone that's like in hookup mode right now, this might not resonate for them. But if you're looking for a relationship, then it's really important to get to the core of what do I believe? What are my values? And then what do I want for the future? Those are the two most important characteristics. And that goes along with what we've been saying here. You know, that goes along with the the type of person you're looking for, race or cultural background, et cetera. Yeah. And then it's a lot easier to sort when you have clarity on that. But when you're just like, oh, I'll swipe right. Like, that's fine. Um, You know, she's hot, whatever. And I have a lot of clients, both male and female, that have that philosophy. And then they end up in all of these endless, endless chats that don't go anywhere. They end up getting ghosted. They end up pouring all this energy in and then feeling like nothing is really happening, like they're not making any progress. So if you date more mindfully and you're like, okay, even if this girl is really sexy, if she doesn't have my top three core values or the qualities that I absolutely need in a partner, it's not going to go anywhere. It doesn't matter. And the more energy, this is probably a flip for a lot of your listeners, but when you put energy into the wrong person, it depletes your energy for the right person. Because if if you're like, if you have your FWB and you're getting your needs met that way, like it's like, hunter mentality, right? Like if, you, if you're getting your little snacks, you don't need to go out and, you know, slay that beast to eat because you're full. You're fine. You're okay. But if you have that hunger, like I need, I need something more substantial, then you're going to go out and get it. And you're not going to waste your time with the little snacks. You're going to go for the big thing. Right. Right. Yeah, I call it the three non-negotiables. By the way, right. When, when, right. You're, when the, the three things that you're that you're looking for in the qualities of a woman that you're that you're trying to find, and it's important to have that, or else you are wasting time. I also say to guys who are not looking for relationships, that's fine too. Then you don't really need non-negotiables. You should just go out and have fun and and whatever. But what I found is that mostly at the end of the day, even when men go through their kind of period of sowing their oats or just sleeping with a lot of girls and having that period, most guys end up in the realm of wanting to find a relationship. It's just in our blood, right? It's mm-hmm. A lot of men end up that way and, and go that way. So I tell guys, it's like, you should fast forward that a little bit. If you know at the end of the day you're looking for a relationship, what are you waiting for? You know, it's like, you know, unless you're like extremely young, but it's like, if you know at the end of the day, you're going to want to find something and you know, one day you want kids, 
better to try to date seriously now because it might take a while to find someone who's going to be a good match. And why would you pass that up so you can sleep with more girls so you can, you know, fill some hole of 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 your self-esteem and you know, what's the point anyways if you know that's the end result. So that's something that I talk about a lot as well. Yeah, and I feel like at this time trip like we are in the new normal. Dating has forever been changed by coronavirus. I deeply believe that. And the period that we're in right now, we're in this sort of it, whatever phase of opening your listeners are in right now, the isolation that everyone has experienced for the for the last whatever 5, 6, 7 months, that is so intense and has made so many people realize one like you just you can't just be casual with dating right now because you're literally risking your life like you know before it was like mm, i might get something that i need to take a pill for like now it's like or you might die and i know there's people who are like no no it doesn't happen if you're young like it does and i won't belabor it with stories but i have plenty of stories of like you don't know that you might be the one, okay? So we we just can't date casually. And then on top of that, now, because we've been so isolated, there are so many people that are craving partnership that are like, oh, this would have been so different if I had a girlfriend to be in this experience with and not be solo this whole time. So I feel like it's put everyone in a different mindset both in terms of the urgency to find a match and then also the speed, the speed of, of relationships unfolding has completely changed. And the way that we filter and determine if someone is right for us or not, a little bit topsy-turvy right now. And I'm not sure how long it's going to stay like that. I hope and I pray <laughs> that by the time you know, someone's listening to this a year from now, things have hopefully changed a little bit. We don't know what's going to happen. People are still going to date. And I do encourage people to still date. But um, I hope that this is not something that lasts forever because it's definitely taking a toll on the dating scene and in causing a lot of people to just stop right now, you know, because they're just like, I don't want to deal with it. It's too hard. It's risky in in many ways. And I respect that. You know, that's fine to each their own there. But yeah, it's definitely not helping out. Well, in some ways though, I think it actually, there is a silver lining for dating. Because before... I think I know what you're going to say, but let's, let's hear it. Before the speed was so out of control. Like as a dating coach, you know, it was like wa- watching a runaway train that I was like, oh my gosh, somebody has to jump in front of this train and stop it because everybody was... And I I love dating apps. I just want to reiterate, I really love dating apps because of the opportunity. But then people were skipping the filtering process. So I always take people through like a five-step process with dating. Mindset, what are you looking for? We talked about that. Sourcing, where are you finding dates? Screening is the third step. And that's the one that a lot of people were skipping. So they were just like, swipe, swipe, swipe. Chat, chat, chat. Hey, you want to meet up? And either you show up and it's not at all what you want and then your energy is again depleted or you end up in a situation where your your goals are mismatched, your values are mismatched 
And then you get ghosted or your heart broken down. And then it's like, it's like wash, rinse, repeat. That was happening again and again and again and again. And I'm sure you heard the same as me. I'm so frustrated. Like dating is so exhausting today. And that is because the pace of dating was out of control. Like, and I, I don't wish COVID on, <laughs> I don't wish COVID on us and I don't wish it on anyone. I wish it had never happened. But I, I'm really hopeful that it will slow the pace of dating. Got so, it. And, saw, and you're saying that's a good thing that we're slowing things down a little bit and that's helping a bit because it was on it was going crazy. It's forcing people to do the sourcing and filtering step because how, how are you going to go out on a date with somebody if you don't even know if they've been out on dates with 10 other people without masks, if they've been out partying at Lake Havasu or whatever, like you have to do the screening part if you care about your life, for example. So I do see that the pace has changed. Now, like you, I, I've seen also a change in the attitude. So at the beginning, everybody was like, oh, this is really great. Like, I can just keep dating. I'm just going to do this virtual date. And that's going to be cool. And then after a few months, everybody was like, enough. This is, this is really... This is exhausting because I'm putting all this effort in. And I don't know if I'm ever going to meet this person. I don't know if this is going to... How long it's going to be this way. So now I feel like we're in sort of the third the third wave. <laughs> we're in the third wave of COVID dating where people are now figuring out the risk assessment and figuring out how much of the screening process to bring into it, but feeling like we need to get past the screening process, get onto the date and get onto forming relationships because we just, we can't, we cannot stay hold up. Right, right. No, I mean, I agree with all that. I just wrote in uh, for Ask Men uh, part of an article that talks about that and right. talks about the idea that when you slow down a little bit, it does help you actually find someone who's going to be a good match and does help you filter. Mm -hmm. You know, so that is definitely a great thing. But now it's all flipped too because people are slowing down the the screening part, but then once you meet, that part's going a lot faster for people. And I don't know how long that will happen, but like, you know, I did, I did an episode of the Dates and Mates podcast where I talked to people who had matched up at the beginning of COVID that literally by their third date were, they were shacked up and living together. <laughs> Go back to our episode from 2007 if you want to know how that works. But I would say right now, I've got, it's about 50-50 results. Those people that moved really quickly into a relationship and moving in together, basically bubbling together. Half of them have been like, whoa, too much. I didn't even know this person. And this is, I don't want this. And then the other half are like, wow, this relationship is so much deeper than any relationship that I've been in before. But we feel like, okay, once somebody passes the screening step now, you, have, you almost have to dive in with both feet because of the situation because of the risk that, that you're taking by dating multiple people right now. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, oh Demona, always, always great <laughs> talking to you and diving into these topics. If guys want to hear more from you, where can they go? Well, I'm on all the socials at Demona Hoffman. And it's tricky to spell, so I'm sure you'll put the link somewhere. <laughs> I think I'm the only Demona Hoffman though, even if you spell it wrong. 
And then the Dates and Mates podcast. I release new episodes every Monday. And that's wherever you're listening to this podcast right now, Dates and Mates or datesandmates.com. Awesome. Cool. So I will put all that in the show notes. Demona, thanks for coming on for a second time. It actually might be a third time. Um, I don't know if that that time, the last time was the first time, but I just do remember the last time was three years ago. So thanks you again for coming on. And uh, thanks for sharing some of your thoughts. Appreciate it. Thank you. I adore you. You know that I love this show and I adore everything about you. So I'm really glad that I was able to come back and share my insights. Ah, you're the best. Awesome. Guys, follow her, check out her, her social stuff and we'll have you on again in the future. 